What a song, huh? What a great song. What's going to make us different than all the rest? Depending on what you read, and I did a lot of research on this, uh, divorce rate somewhere between 40 and 50%. Some say 50 and some say that's a little skewed. And I don't really care to figure out which one. I know it's 40% is pretty high. And, and one of the things that I hope to accomplish here is, is and, and some of you have been through that and, and, and you know the pain that's involved and so forth, and one of the things that I hope to accomplish here this morning is, is to try to bring that statistic down some as we talk about some of these things. And, and you know, whenever you talk about marriage, and from my perspective in, in a church, you have a lot of different people. You have single folks, you have kids, you have whatever. And, and here's my view on that. And you need, to, you need to hear this very loud and clear. Whoever you are and whatever you, whatever you, you need to hear the truth. And I don't know of any place else you're going to hear it. I, I really don't. I, I know where you're not going to hear it. Um, you know, I love, I love the, <coughs> excuse me, I love the show Everybody Loves Raymond, but good gracious, what does it teach us about marriage? Good. I mean, that's, <laughs> there's some funny parts there, but I don't particularly want to live those things out. So that's one of the things, and, 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 and you know, I got a, kind, of a, kind of a big challenge here, um, because I want to begin by telling you, if you don't already know this, when it comes to marriage, there's work involved. There's some work involved here. You say, why, why do I want to work at marriage? Because it's worth it, okay? There's some work involved here. Some of the things I'm going to share with you are going to be pretty basic, some pretty shallow. Um, some may not necessarily be your particular situation, so I'm going to get home with you. And, uh, and again... One of, my, one of my big goals, really, is to get you to think. It's to inspire you to think about your own marriage, or maybe marriage that you might have someday, or maybe friends that you might be able to help if you're not married. But to get you to think, because, you know, educated, smart, well-healed um, uh, people sometimes don't think. All of us, it's a classless thing, get into the point sometimes where we don't think and we just accept and we just get by from day to day and all of a sudden we are in the middle of something that we're like, what is this all about? This isn't what I thought it was. So that's one of my main deals here this morning. Uh, Jane Austen, the great writer, said this, happiness in marriage is entirely a matter of chance. It's a great thought and it's, a, it's wonderfully worded. It's just not true. Uh, for some people it might be, but it doesn't have to be. I like the way what another popular uh, psych- psychologist author, a psychological author, has said. Um, marriage is not a noun. It's a verb. It's something you get. It's something you do. It's the way you love your partner every day. I like that. I think that represents really what the Bible teaches as well. So what I want to do is I want to take you to the Bible. I want to show you this first, right? And then we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're basically going to look at three areas, like a lot of stuff, a lot of sub-points and those things. But we're going to basically look at three areas. We're going to look at never-evers, gotta-haves, and getting the spark, okay? It's real simple. Never-evers, gotta-have, and then getting the spark. You know, you say, why can't you, can't you just skip to that spark part? No, 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 we'll get there, okay? Um, it, it's part of the whole thing. But I want to begin by reading to you, and you can follow along with me, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. It's in, and we're going to look at it beginning in verse 31. This is just, just a great, this is the message translation or paraphrase. And it's just, it's terrific the way this is worded. This is Ephesians five thirty-one. This is why a man leaves father and mother. I guess Raymond never learned that, learned that, did he? Anyway, this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it at all. 
What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. That's the, that's the followers of Christ, you and I, the church. It's not a building. You need to understand that. The church is are all, it's, made, it's, it's, it's me, it's you. It's people who, who, are, who are believers, who, who follow Christ. He said that what's clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church, and this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. I mean, it's there. Isn't that great? How each husband is to love his wife and each wife is to honor her husband. Love and honor each other. Don't think one as opposed to... It works both ways. To love and honor each other. So, as we talk about these, quote-unquote, secrets for staying married um, and enjoying it more, and they're really not secrets, but let's let's just jump into them. And uh, first one is never-evers, or I call things to avoid. All right? I got three or four things here I want you to think about. Some of these I'll show you from the Scripture. Some of these are based on just the verses that we just read. So just, just hang in there with me because I'm going to blow through some of these pretty quickly. Things to avoid, never ever. Number one, some words or concepts should never be mentioned. I realize we live in the real world and there is such a thing as divorce. There is such a thing as leaving. Okay? Some of you have experienced that and know the pain that's involved with that. And, that's, and it's too bad. And I'm sure you'd be the first one to stand up and say, yeah, it really is. It's very painful. And, and that, there's, 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 there's a lot to talk about in that area. We're not going to do that today. That's a message for a different time. Certainly it's real. We can't deny that it's real. But when it is used continually as a threat or as, as an option, you're never going to get too far in that marriage. If that door is always, that, that, that path of retreat is always wide open. Sometimes, you, you, I mean, if you're committed to that marriage, you've got to burn the bridges you got to burn the ships, as Cortez did, and just say, okay, this is it. And you can talk about hard things, and you can talk about tough things, and you can talk about, man, this is tough, and whatever. You can do all that, but you don't say, hey, you better quit this or I'm going to leave. That's conditional. You know? I'm not saying it doesn't ha- It does happen. That's a different deal, though. So we need to understand that, that not, not to be a threat or to intimidate or to somehow scare or whatever. If you do that, that's just terrible. Don't do that. That's not, that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, so that's, that's, there are other concepts and, and words. You should never be mentioned. But those, those are, I think, head, head the list. Another thing, second thing, assumed expectations. That's like a loaded gun. That's like a loaded gun. We all have expectations. Let's not deny that. But let's deal with them and let's talk about them and let's get them out on the table. Let's understand them. This is a hard lesson. I'll tell you, I, I, I'm not going to tell you that I learned it once and I never had to learn it again, but the most probably impacting expectation that I ever had to learn before I got married. I was living in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was a, I was a disc jockey at, a, uh, at actually, for whatever it's worth, Ted Turner's first endeavor into broadcasting. And uh, it was pretty fun. Rock and roll disc jockey, rock and roll station, just having a big time. I was getting married in about, uh, about a month or so to Charlene, who lived in Rome. She just... She had, she had graduated from college a year or two earlier than that, and um, uh, she was living in Rome, Georgia, about an hour, hour and a half away. And, and, and you need to understand something about expectations. In my family, when you have birthdays, it's like, it's birthday. Hey, it's your birthday. Have a birthday. Okay, let's go. You know, just the, oh, we have a little birthday present for you. Here's a little, you know, here's a greasy peanut butter cup. Happy birthday. Let's go. It's just no big deal. Okay? It's just, that's just kind of the, my family. Well, Charlene's family. Let me just tell you, 
It is selfish day, baby. What do you want? What do you want for breakfast? What do you want for lunch? What do you want for dinner? What presents do you want? I mean, it's just like, oh, let's do this. It's just, you know, let's wait on the king or queen. I mean, it's just total selfish day. And you remember this thing. Well, we are getting married on October the 9th, right? And... um, (laughs) See if that's, I got it in here. Let me get it out. It's engraved in my ring. Um, Now, we were getting married October the 9th. Her birthday is September the 8th. Okay? So on September the 8th, I'm in Chattanooga, and and we had had plans. Maybe I might come down in my mind for maybe a bite to eat or something. I had to work that night. But as September the 8th rolled around, one of my friends and one of my bosses said, hey, there's this, there's this new golf course in Moccasin Bend, and, and it is like, uh, you know, we're gonna, everybody's going gonna to have to play golf, and it's just right there in the, along the Tennessee River. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me pray about it. No, I didn't. I, 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 I mean, you know what I did, okay? And I call, but again, expectation, I'm not thinking, you know, in my family, no big deal, hey. So I called Charlie and I said, hey, honey, I'm not coming down today. Um, um, I, got some, I got an opportunity to play some golf with some guys. I'm going to go play golf. And there was just this pause at the other end of the phone. Well, you know it's my birthday. Yeah, it is. Happy birthday. Yeah. Great. Happy birthday, honey. You know, and it's like, well, to make a long story short, I learned real quick. We need... To talk about expectations, you know, what do you expect? What do I expect? It was it was a, it was a hard lesson. I've had to learn it a few other times. That was probably one of the most impacting, though, and uh, one that I mean, yeah, she, I can you know, listen, listen. She almost thought about not getting married after that. Can you believe that? I was like, are you kidding me? So um, we did get married, and, and and we've worked it all out. And now everybody's birthday is selfish day, except I get cheated because mine's usually on Father's Day. So I get like. <laughs> Big deal, you know? So anyway, um, you, la- you have to learn the expectations. of, the- and, that- and you know how that comes? You ready for this? You know how that happens? You sit down and communicate with each other. And sometimes, sometimes, not always, but sometimes those expectations are a lot more serious. Not that it wasn't serious, but a lot more serious than just birthdays. Sometimes it's part of the relationship. Sometimes it has to do with other things and with your children and, and, and each other and, and all kinds. But you've got to do that. Expectations, assumed expectations. Reading between the lines, sometimes we call it. That's a loaded gun. And you better unload that now. Okay? I love this quote from, from a very wise lady, Irma Bombeck. Marriage has no guarantees. If that's what you're looking for, go live with a car battery. Um, I just think that's so true. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, third, a third thing, third thing to avoid, third never ever, not going to church together because things are bad. Now, let me just, I'm not just, this is self-serving. I'm not saying you need to be, you know, oftentimes it's happened here, it happened to me recently. You see a couple that you recognize and you, and you see pretty regularly in church. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. You doing okay? And, and, and I'm not territorial. If you say I'm going to a different church and we really like that, I'm going to say, hey, God bless you. We love you and we miss you, but if, if that's working for you, that's terrific. Um, so that's not, that's not a huge deal. But, but oftentimes I get this answer. It happened to me just recently. Well, we, we haven't been doing too good together, so we haven't been coming to church. And that's when I get a little more aggressive, and I say, look, 
That's the last thing you need to cut out of your activity as church. The one, the one place, maybe there's some others, but it's the one place where you can hear truth. And who knows, God might just work in your heart or in your mind and get you to hear something that might just spark something else, it might do something else. You, 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 that's, that's not a good idea. And so many times that happens. I, I've seen it happen. A, a fourth thing, thinking it's always going to be like this. Thinking things are always going to be like this. Some of you, some of you have schedules that are phenomenal. And it has a lot to do with your kids. And, and you never see each other. And, 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 you, and it's really tough. And you're like, oh, this is terrible. Let me just tell you something. I've been married 54 years. And I, excuse me, 34 years. I'm 55. <laughs> 55, 34, okay? Um, I've been married 34 years. Seems like 12 years. I've been married 34 years. You go through a lot of seasons of marriage. And about the time you think, well, you know, this isn't, you know, and sometimes, in some cases, you need to talk about it. Some cases, you need to communicate. Some cases, you need to realize, you know, it's just where we are right now in terms of with kids and with this and with that. And let's, let's, just, let's just cling to each other and hopefully cling to God and we'll get through this and, 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 and get through this hopefully in a good way and, 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 and look for something better in the future because of our schedules or whatever it happens to be. It doesn't mean you just have to endure it. You figure out the best thing you can do with that. So there are many seasons in a marriage, so be careful with that. The same thing, you never do this or you always do this. Now, be careful with that kind of stuff because it's not always true, for one. So don't start thinking like that because there will be seasons in a marriage. All right, those are some of the never-evers. There are many more. I want to get to the gotta-haves, okay? I want to get to the gotta-haves. The gotta-haves. This is what I gotta have, all right? And I could go on and on and on. I've limited these to five things, and um, um, it could be more. Number one gotta-have, fight for time together. We got to do that here. Maybe more than a lot of places in the country. Some places are busy, I realize. But, I mean, we, we've got to fight for time together. That's not always easy. And sometimes we have to put things off. And sometimes we have to do this. We have to, all I'm saying is, is, is do that. Don't let this stuff just keep creeping up and creeping up and creeping up on you. And all of a sudden, you know, months have passed and you really haven't had any quality time together. That is the recipe for failure. And at worst, or at best, that's the failure for just mediocrity. And who wants that in a marriage? Mediocrity. Who wants just to get by? It's not like much fun to me, and I know that's not God's plan because I, I know what he says in the Bible. Number two, conflict happens to everyone. Deal with it. You know, people sometimes, well, well I just don't do conflict. Yet. You know, I'm sorry. This is life, and there are conflicts, and there are conflicts between the people you love the most. And you've got a couple choices. You can either deal with it or you can cover it up and hide and hide it and hide it and just be one dysfunctional human being. And God never intended that. And too many times that happens. Didn't say it was easy. The Bible gives us some, some steps at times. It, it, it has to just to be open and be honest and, and be sincere and, and to speak the truth in love. You know, so, so you know, let me just, on that same subject, I got two or three real quick little sub points I want you to think. You know, it's okay, it's okay to disagree in front of your children sometimes, depending on what it is. I don't know that you want to, you know, argue about your sex life in front of your kids. That may not be a good idea. But, but children need to see that mom and dad do have, they know it anyway, for goodness sakes. How stupid do you think they are? They know it anyway. Let them see mom and dad work it out. With this caveat, 
hey, mom and dad love each other and we're going to work it out. So don't get worried. We're not leaving each other. Somebody told me recently that the parents would never argue in front of the kids. But then at nighttime, they would go to bed and they would hear their parents just yelling at each other in the bedroom through the wall. Little kid. I used to cry thinking they're going to break up. So they need the reassurance. Hey, mom and dad love each other. We're going we're to figure this out. And, and, and this particular one, you can listen. This particular one, we're going to work out by ourselves. But don't be afraid to do that. These people say, we've never had conflict in front of our kids. I'm like, well, you have screwed up kids then. Because they're not going to know how to resolve their own conflicts. And they need to be able to see that in a loving atmosphere. You know, and, some, and again, sometimes you may need to say, you know what, we may, we may need to put a hold on this right now and, and deal with this all later. Kids, we love each other. We're going to work it out, but and not in front of you. Be honest about it. Goodness, they know it anyway. Kids are so darn perceptive. It's amazing. So, so that's, that's the deal. Here's what I'm concerned about right here. Let me, show you the, let me show you the verse. Hebrews chapter 12. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Here's what I'm worried about. When that conflict isn't dealt with, boom, 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 boom. And pretty soon you're looking at a mountain that may or not may or may not be able to be challenged. That's why we keep short accounts, and that's why we deal with that. And don't let bitterness creep in, even a little bit. when When it starts to happen, we're honest, and we're open. That's what I talked about a little bit last week with the authenticity thing. So, conflict happens to everyone. Deal with it. Third thing, forgiveness is not optional, but it is a choice. You got to forgive. You got to forgive. I, I even include it in all the wedding vows I do now. Promise to love and honor, cherish, death until in good times and bad times, in sickness and in health, to forgive and be forgiven till death do us part. Why is that? Because we got to forgive each other. We have to. We have to learn that. We're not going to get very far. Sometimes we got to ask God to give us the ability to do that, and He will. Because the Bible tells us, you forgive as I have forgiven you, Jesus says. Well, Jesus has forgiven me for a whole lot more than anything anybody anybody else can do to me. And this forgiveness thing, let me throw in one other thing. And I want you to hear this because this needs to be said in a, in a quote-unquote church setting. Nothing, and listen carefully to this, okay? Nothing is so bad that it can't be forgiven. Nothing is so bad that it can't be forgiven. And I've dealt, if not personally, but with, personally with people who I cared about. It was like it was personal. I've dealt with just about every kind of sin imaginable. And when there is repentance, when, there's a, when there are people who say, I'm wrong and, I want to, and, I, and I'm, if, if, if help is needed, I'll do that. You, you, can, you can work beyond that. And so many times I hear that from from. from a wife or a husband, you know, I can forgive anything except adultery or, 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 or whatever. And it's like nothing is so bad that it can't be forgiven. And you need to understand that. doesn't mean it might not be difficult. doesn't mean that it might not be a process. doesn't mean there might not have to be some, some prayers with each other and to God and individually about that. But, that. but that's part of the whole thing. Forgiveness is not optional. But it is a choice. And if you don't make the right choice, guess who loses? You both do. You both do. 
Fourth thing, submit to one another. Got to have. Submit to one another. Oh, let me read that verse. Let me read that verse. I didn't read Peter. Peter came to, this is the unforgiveness. Peter came to him, this is to Jesus, and he asked him, Lord, how, should, how, how, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Peter thought he was being gracious here. He said seven times? Seven times. Seven's the Hebrew number of perfection. Seven's my favorite number. It's Hebrew number of perfection is Mickey Mantle's number. What more could you ask for? Um, and so, so he says seven times, and Peter thinks he's being gracious here. He thinks he's saying, oh, that's great. Lord, I'm going to forgive seven times. And, and the Lord's like, nah. How about 70 times seven? And he didn't mean 490 times. Is that right? 400? Okay, thanks. Um, Got to ask this crowd because this is one crowd that would catch me if I was one off. And just, you know, I'd be, if I got that right, I wouldn't even be down here and I'd have 12 people. You got the, no, you got the math wrong. Um, anyway, no, I love you and that's okay. Hold, hold, me, hold my feet to the fire. Um, he didn't mean 490 times. He didn't mean 491 times. A uh, 491th time, you don't have to forget. It was the spirit of what Jesus, Jesus said. You just keep forgiving. So maybe you have one of those husbands or wives that, you know, they have a problem in a certain area. You know what? You forgive them. Now, you don't, you, you, you know, you're not stupid. You don't get abused in the process. You don't become a doormat in the process. In some certain situations, that may mean you may not, particularly if your physical, if your physical well-being is at stake, doesn't mean you may need to be in the same, same house, but you can still forgive. So when I say forgive, I'm not meaning you just stay there and, and just get beaten senseless. That's not the point here. Okay? You've got to do, do what you should do to protect yourself and others. But forgiveness, that's not, that's not, that has nothing to do with forgiveness. You can still forgive. You know, but it's the same way with the guys in business that I talk to all the time. Well, I loaned this guy this much money and you know, he blew it and, like that, and he now wants me to forgive him. I said, well, you've got to forgive him. And he says, one guy told me, he said, well, the, the, he's wanting more. I said, well, that's stupid. You know, that's stupid then. That's not forgiveness. That's just being stupid. You still forgive. If you have to forgive and there's no choice, you've got to forgive. Maybe you try to work out a way to get it back if you can, but that doesn't mean you have to go back into business with him. That's not what forgiveness is. And don't, don't get that confused because some people do and that's not good. All right, fourth thing, and I have it up there already. Submit to one another. I threw this in here because it's in Ephesians 5. And I, didn't, I didn't write all the verses down for it. I'm just going to quote them to you. Um, I had a very painful thing some time ago um, where I had uh, someone in a wedding stand and tell... Um, it was one of those reading kind of deals. Where's Henry? Is Henry in here? Um, I don't see him. Okay. Is it safe for me to tell the story, Michael? Okay, it's safe. Thank you. I got the, I got the okay. You have to be careful, okay? Sometimes, because there was... I don't want to hurt anybody with this. Um, but it was... And they, they know the person. It wasn't them. But they, they, it was... Oh, gosh, it was so painful. I was officiating the wedding, and, and it was one of those deals where somebody was going to do a reading. Normally, I, when that happens, I will say, well, can I see your reading and just take a look at it, and what you, you know, is the, the proper thing to do. But I knew the person who knew the person, and I thought, well, that's okay. I don't need to do that. Oh, jeez. Um, big mistake. And, and after listening to this thing for a 30-minute reading, we're standing there, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I'm watching the girls because they're on heels, and I'm thinking, uh, one's going down any minute now. One's going down. I'm, I'm, watch, I'm watching all this stuff because I'm really concerned about it. But, but, but more, more important than all of that, well, not more important, but as important in all of that, was this guy telling the bride how part of her responsibility as a wife was to obey her husband. That's the right word, obey her husband. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. And oh, be obedient to his to his whims, and no, not his whims, he said, but his, his wishes. 
And I'm thinking, dang, we missed this. Charlene, honey, you listening to this? No. Um, unfortunately, in this thing we call Christianity, that has been so, so screwed up. And, I, and, and here's what the scripture teaches. I didn't write it, I, I didn't put it up here for you, but you can go home and, re, you go home and read Ephesians, start in chapter 1. And, and here's what you're going to find. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 5, start in chapter 5, verse 1. And in chapter 5, verse 21, here's what it's going to say. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Next verse, wives, submit to your husbands. Next verse, husbands, love your wives. The whole point is not pick and choose. The whole point is we submit and we love each other. And sometimes I submit to my wife, sometimes she submits to me. And submit's a horrible word. That's the King James word. The, the Greek word is really a military. It's hupotasso. It's a, grilla, it's a military word, sort of like rank, you know. And, 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 it, it, and, and it's not really trying to communicate that we are like a role or a rank in the sense of a marriage. It's talking about put yourself under each other. Sometimes I'll put myself, okay, honey, what do you want me to do here in this situation? And she'll say the same thing, what would you like me to do in this situation? You submit to one another, and you love one another. That's the deal. So this whole thing of submission, yeah, I'm to have an attitude of submission to my wife. Yeah, I am. She's to have an attitude of submission toward me. It's part of the relationship. And by the way, I'm supposed to love her too. Oh, and by the way, she's supposed to love me too. See, it works both ways. You can't pick and choose on that, not in the spirit in which it is written in the text. And the apostle, I think the apostle makes that clear. It gets all screwed up by some, 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 some hermeneutics that I think have done some gymnastics on, those, on that passage of Scripture. And, uh, and, 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 it, and it bothers me greatly. We're to submit to one another. We're to submit to each other's strengths. You know, and that's part of, that's part of marriage. That's part of that, that relationship of a husband and a wife. Submit to one another. Don't be afraid to say, hey, honey, what do you want me to do here? That's the deal. Whichever one you are. And we're, and, you know, that's not a male-female thing because we all have different personalities. For some guys it's hard. For some women it's hard. So, you know, that's, that's the whole deal. We, we all have to do that. Submit to one another. Last thing. I don't have it up here. I thought about this last night and I put it in. Uh, the fifth thing on God ahead. You've got to have humor. My gosh. If you don't have some humor and some fun, we're going to talk more about that in two weeks when we talk about desperate for hilarity in terms of the home. If you, if, you know, sometimes, sometimes wives and husbands... You just need to lighten up a little bit. You know, and just have some fun. And just enjoy each other. You know, just, not, just, not just in specific moments, but on the whole deal. That's part of it. Sometimes we just got to, just, it's just, just have some fun. Just have fun. That's what marriage is supposed to be, you know. It's supposed to be fun. Now, it's a lot more than that, but that's one of the aspects of it. And if you're not having fun, we need to talk. Okay? You need to talk together more specifically. About that. Those are the God I have. All right, let's keep the sparks. Uh, I'm, I'm, I took too much time in this. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me talk about sparks. Keeping the sparks. I'm going to blow through some of these. So this first one I'm not going to talk much about. Trios and blackberries can kill just about any mood. Let's just forget that. Let's go to the second thing. Okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying here. We all have to be sensitive to this, and we all have to, we all have to honor each other in this. And I, I don't, some say, well, it's always the male. I'm not convinced. Sometimes it's, it just depends on the personality. Some, some men are horrible about this. Some women are horrible about this. The, the point being, we need to really be able to talk and be able to understand. I, mean, I remember one time, it was before I had, it was before really anybody had Blackberries or trios, but we still had cell phones. 
And, and I've always been pretty accessible as, as a pastor. I've always, um, even before we had cell phones, I would always check messages and try to get back to people as much as I could. And, 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 and you know, with, with their things happen. But I've always tried to be fairly accessible. And, 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 and I remember one time Charlie and I were having some tough time. We saw a friend of mine who's a, a psychologist. And, and, and so he, would have, he has this exercise of tell us what bothers you and why it bothers you. And, and she said, it bothers me that we, no matter what's going on, you'll answer the phone. We can be in the middle of a conversation and you'll say, I need to answer this phone. She says, and here's how it makes me feel. I was ready to argue at that point. And then she says, here's how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like you don't value me or that I'm really second or third on your list. And I said, I I never wanted that. I never wanted to communicate that. It's really changed things most of the time. It's really changed things in terms of, 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 it changed things a lot. I'm not going to say I don't screw up from time to time because I do. But it's changed things in terms of, 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 of my whole attitude about that. Think about that. Talk about that with your wife. And I realize you have deals going on, you have things going on, and there are exceptional times. And, and now what I try to do is I say, look, I'm going to get three or four phone calls sometime tonight, so are you okay with it? Okay, fine. And, 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 and you know, it's just amazing how a little communication like that can, help, can happen. Number two, dating is for married people too. You know this. I don't, and, and most of you do this, I think, people that I talk to. But listen, you know, that, part of that deal is um, you st- don't, 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 put it, don't, don't treat it as a, as a second, secondary thing. It's very important. It's very important. Number three, developing common interest helps. I'm very fortunate. I have a wife who loves football. Better, she loves the Broncos. Better, she loves watching the Broncos in the Super Bowls. So that's why they're going. But anyway, have I mentioned that today? Have I mentioned that more? Anyway, No. I'm very fortunate in that way. But, you know, there's also time. We, the same guy we were talking to, I mentioned earlier. One of the things he had us do one time. This is kind of a cool idea. He said, I want you guys, when you have your date, whether it's once a week or every two weeks, in our, our case, the time is once a week. He said, I want you, Rich, to choose one. Just choose what you're going to do the whole time, okay? Which is easy for me because um, I can make some decisions, okay? The other thing is, Charlene, I want you, not that she doesn't, but sometimes she, she just defers to me because I, can, I have a tendency, and this was part of the problem too, to be a strong personality and I could steamroll or whatever, which isn't a good thing. And um, so he said, Charlene, I want you then to be vocal about what you want to do the next week. I said, this is great. I'll go first. He said, okay. Um, so I know we went to see, uh, what would we go see? Uh, uh, some, some beat him up, kill him, shoot him. Uh, Gladiator, Gladiator. That's a good movie, too. You know, it's a good movie. So um, the next week was her week. She says, okay, we're going to go to a bookstore. I said, that's great. I love bookstores. I do. I love bookstores. She says, well, we're going to go just to the art part. I said, "Uh, okay. And she says, and you're going to find a book about art that you like. And you're going to buy that book, and then we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to find just art. And I kept... Moving over to military history and sports, you know. No, no, over here, over here. This is, this is the art part. And I was like, oh. Let me tell you something. Through that experience, I have developed, seriously, a great appreciation for Rembrandt's religious art, which I really love now. I really enjoy. Got my interest broadened a little bit. So, so common interests help. You know what? No, we all are individuals. We need our own things. Sure, that's, we need that. There's nothing wrong with that, and we need that. But we also need some common interests. I knew a lady one time who went to a... Don't ask me why. She, would, she went to a, a school to learn about football. 
you know, like first downs and like yard markers and, and so she could better relate to her husband who loved football. I think that's great. I, I, my question was, why wouldn't he tell you? But that's, that's a whole other issue. Maybe he was one of those militant guys that just got so into the game that, you know, he's crazy. But anyway, th- my point is this, common interest help. And sometimes you have to develop those, but there has to be a willingness to develop those. Sit down and talk about that. What do we have in common besides our kids? Hmm. Well, what do you like? Well, I know what you like. Here's what you let's, 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 let's share here. We'll take one of yours and one of mine. And let's figure this stuff out. Number four. You knew I was going to get to this. Sex is a wonderful thing, even if it's not hot. Here's the deal, folks. We watch, you know, the media just... The media, the mall, wherever you are, just beats us over the head with this hot women, hot sex thing. You know, it's almost, and I, I, I was reading a story about this last night, and I'm, that's why I didn't have time to get it to you on PowerPoint. And um, it's in this, ma- it's a, sort of a trade magazine, so to speak. Anybody can get it, but it's, it's mainly for pastors, leadership in the church and stuff. And I was reading a story, and there was, it's one of these forums where they have like three or four people being interviewed at once, and one of the people I had, I had heard speak at Socrates in the city, Lauren Winter. And uh, so I was particularly uh, reading hers of interest because she's really a very, um, uh, very relevant young lady, talks, talks about sex on campuses and, and so forth. She's, she's, and she's very astute and uh, smart, teaches at the University of Virginia. Um, but here she said something that I thought was really good. When it comes to sex, it seems to me the church has absorbed some of the views of our surrounding society. I think our acceptance of premarital sex for the last 40 years has deeply changed our understanding of what married sex is supposed to look like. We've absorbed the idea that married sex is supposed to be a constantly mind-blowing, chandelier-swinging kind of experience. We've agreed with society that sex really doesn't exist well in a domestic context. That's a drastic mistake. If the church has something to offer the broader society, it is going to be a positive vision of everyday married sex. Isn't that good? By the way, some, somebody in the back of the uh, auditorium in the early service who's here again said, make sure you emphasize that everyday married sex. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you know who that was afterwards, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can probably guess. Anyway, um, <laughs> I didn't even pick it up when I read it the first time. I really did. You know, I was like, I can't believe I got by. Listen, here's the deal on this thing, folks. Sex is not a performance. It's an expression of love. Don't ever take it out of that context. Because when it becomes a performance, it becomes less than what God intended it to be. And it's great. And it should be something that, uh, that when, when possible, physically and, and, and logistically and everything else between a husband and wife, that should be enjoyed all over their marriage. But it's an expression of love. Don't ever forget that. Don't let other influences pollute your mind on that huge, huge issue. Sincere verbal affirmation never gets old. Don't be like the old guy who his wife said, you haven't told me you love me in 20 years. He said, I told you 20 years ago. If it changes, I'll tell you later, okay? (laughs) Some people are like that, I think. Sincere verbal affirmation never gets old. Honey, you sure sure are great. I love you. Shoot, I I like even being told I look good and my wife's eyesight is failing, but that's okay. I don't care, you know? (laughs) 
I think that's the way God designed it. You can't see close up when you're close. Oh, Yanni, you look so good. Yeah, you look so good, too. <laughs> Don't put on your glasses. Okay. Um, I didn't put this on there, but I've got to. There's no substitute for praying together. You ever pray together? You ever pray together? We're going to talk more about this next week when we talk about intimacy. You need to. I don't mean you sit down to the meal and say, oh, Lord, you know, God is good. God is great. Thank you, God, for this food. That's fine. But I mean, when you say, you know, we really need to pray. You go first. I'll go first. Whatever. And you just pray together. And maybe it's a simple prayer. I pray, you know, sometimes in our relationship, our marriage. There have been a couple of times, no kidding, as, as talkative and, you know, Golden throat as I am, my wife calls me Mr. Golden Throat sometimes. I've always got words to say, but there have been times when I've been with her and just holding her and I said, God, help us. Just help us. We need help. And just left it at that. You know, God hears those prayers. You don't have to be a minister to pray some great prayer. (laughs) Some say it's one of the greatest prayers you can pray. God, help us. Because he hears that. Sometimes all you can do, what if I've blown it? What if I'm just, I just haven't measured up? You know, sometimes all you can do is just go to God and say, God, help me. Forgive me and help me. Just, let me read this to you. I think it says it all. It's written about love, and it's not necessarily written about a husband and a wife, but it applies to the husband and wife. And sometimes when, you, when, you, when you're praying and, and that, that part of that, you, you, you just, you get stuck. You just get stuck sometimes. That's when you really say, God, and maybe you start individually and say, God, we, I, really need some, I really need some help here. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want some ordinary, mundane, stuck-in-the-mud marriage. It's the most important thing in my life next to my relationship with God. And sometimes maybe reading these verses together. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's in the message paraphrase. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Ooh, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. That would be my mate. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. I don't think you can have this in the way that God intended it without a relationship with the creator of sex, the creator of marriage the creator of man and woman, God. I saw something last week that I may never see it again. And I'll probably cry talking about it. Um, We had to make a quick trip back out to Ohio. My mother was at that point pretty serious condition. She's mom and dad are both 86, very healthy, very active, get around, live, live on their own. They just go everywhere, do things. Mother's been, mom's been a little, a little sickly more in the last few, last few, uh, last couple of years, but still gets around. We got a call from my dad and and, uh, and my brother, and things weren't looking good, so we made a quick trip out to Ohio, 
and uh, just drove and, and got there. And as it, as it turned out, the change doctors, change medicine, she didn't have to have surgery or any of the other things, and I won't give you all the details, but the change of meds worked miracles, that and prayer. And she's doing great now. And she was doing great while we were there before we left. But she went in for a test, and I don't remember which test it was. And it's like if you've been in a hospital, the, the orderly rolling her in, her in her hospital bed into the test room. They came out, and we were all pretty happy because the test turned out really, pretty, really well. But then something happened that was really pretty amazing to me. And I just st- stood back, and I just watched it. Because the orderly's pushing the bed, and my dad goes over. We've been married 67 years. And he just grabs the foot of her bed, and he said, come on, honey, let's go. Starts leading her down the hallway. And I said to myself, they've been doing that for 67 years. It's an incredible love story. I'm fortunate I have that as an example. But we all can have that as we seek God to work in our lives. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your love. And we are grateful for what your love can do in our lives. And I pray, Lord, as each one of us leaves here, particularly those of us who are husbands and wives, that we would be inspired to do whatever it takes. Maybe that's a series of very, very meaningful talks. Maybe that's seeking some help from someone who can really help us. Maybe it's sitting with some friends, talking with each other about it, how we can be a better husband, wife, and father and mother. I pray, God, we'd be just sensitive to whatever that needs and and, and help us to realize it doesn't happen and it really can happen in all of its fullness outside of a relationship with you and that Jesus came lived, suffered, died, went to the tomb, rose again to give us not only eternal life, but an abundant life. And it may need to start there for us, for some of us. Where we may need to start, Lord, I want to trust you. Right here, right now. For some of us, it may be, Lord, I've trusted you, and now I need to trust you again in this area of my life to make my marriage what it needs to be. We thank you for that. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the love that we have in Christ. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.